Dear people of God in Christ, today we are celebrating saints triumphant. As Christians in this world, we know that there's going to be challenges. Actually, we're in the middle of a battle for our souls. God has called us to be his people and to keep us in the faith with his word. The devil is trying to do just the opposite, attacking us with temptations and lies and accusations and hardships to pull us away from Jesus and to bring us back into his gathering of lost souls. The Bible warns that as the end of the world draws near, that things are even going to become worse, more difficult for Christians. And yet today we thank our faithful God who has, through history, already brought so many of his people safely through this battle and home to heaven. We, too, desire to be with the Lord. How can we be sure of that victory? We have as our theme tonight, only Jesus prepares us for Judgment Day. First of all, as much as God loves all people, his holy justice requires a punishment for sin. Jesus said that God the Father had given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Now there were many times in Jesus' life uh, where the, he would talk to the Jewish people or other people and they would not believe in him that he, that he was the Son of God, that he was equal with God the Father. Since Jesus lived most of his life in humility, you could understand that. He wasn't walking around doing miracles all the time, glowing or anything like that, as you would expect of the Son of God. Now, once in a while, he would do some, well, he spoke with authority. You know, everybody was sort of amazed when he spoke with such authority from the Word of God, because it was his word, after all. Or when he do those amazing, powerful miracles, you know, over nature or over uh, the Satan and driving demons out, or just healing people. And also another thing that showed him to be the Son of God is he could look at somebody. Not only would he know their name, he knew exactly what they were thinking. He knew what was in their hearts. But on the last day, his Divine nature will not be hidden. Everyone will see him. The God-man in that one person, Jesus, will be the Lord, the Lord of all. It was already prophesied in Daniel about, and Daniel used that word son of man as Jesus often spoke about himself using that same phrase. In Daniel chapter seven, to him was given dominion, honor, and a kingdom all peoples, nations, languages will worship him. And Revelation chapter 1 states that everyone, every person will see him and everyone will, will kneel in submission to him as well. Jesus goes on to say what he will do as he appears in this awesome glory. In verse 28, do not marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Can you imagine hearing the voice of the Son of God? What that's going to be like. Now, 
That's not like that's the first time he's used his voice, right? The Son of God was there with the Father at creation. He was the Word. He was the one that said, let there be, and everything was created. Now you think also during his ministry, when Jesus spoke again with such authority, like for Lazarus, dead for four days in the grave, and yet Jesus said, Lazarus, come out! And instantly life came back to Lazarus. His soul returned to him. Of his own strength, he stood up and walked out of his gravesite. And so you can see that that voice is certainly going to be powerful. Well, so on the last day when Christ appears, his voice will be heard by all people. There won't be a single person that said, what? Oh, no, no. They'll all hear very clearly. And whether the people who have died are a pile of ashes or or some bones in some place, or whether some of them decided to put my remains in a rocket and blast it off into space somewhere, is not going to matter to God. When he calls, everyone's body will be put back together. And he will, if he who created Adam from the dust, will recreate all people. And then, of course, the Apostle Paul tells us that those who are yet alive when, he, when we return, their bodies will also be changed so that they'll be made to live forever. And so now you have all people standing before Jesus, the perfect judge, as you recall, the one who can read your mind and read your heart to know whether you have faith or not. And people are, all people are going to either be sentenced to heaven or to hell. The question is, where will we spend eternity? Jesus said how we can be sure. Although it sounds a bit strange when you look at verse 29. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. And those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Now don't those words of Jesus seem to contradict so much of what the Bible tells us? That we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone? You have words like from Paul's letter to the Galatians in chapter 2, we have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ because by observing the law, no one will be justified. No one will be declared not guilty or innocent. Of course, you have critics that say, well, you see, it works this way. You have Jesus that that does so much for you, but then you need to do some things as well, and that's how you're going to be saved. But that, can you imagine if, if our salvation in even one thing, if Jesus just said, all you have to do is one thing, and you'll be saved. Would you go, did I do the right thing? Did, did, are you sure that I was, was my heart the right place when I did it? Can you imagine just asking yourself all those questions? You would be terrified to have to face Jesus, and he would say, sorry, you didn't make it. But the Apostle Paul makes it clear that we cannot be saved by our good works. He writes in Romans chapter 3, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who does good. I'm sure many of us have experienced the feeling of being unprepared. Um, and so, you know, those things do happen, don't they? 
you forgot something at home and you should have had it along, or something else happens that you go, oh, I'm so embarrassed, or oh, what can I do to make this up? You know, there's all these things, but, but for people who are unprepared at Jesus' return on the last day, it's going to be terrifying. For Jesus will judge people, body and soul. And he says, those who have done what is evil will be condemned to hell. Scripture describes hell as a place of separation that God made for the devil and his wicked angels after he rebelled. It wasn't there at creation. It came sometime later. And they're separated from that, those of God because they would continue to try to harm you forever, but they're separated so that those who are in heaven will no longer have any of those effects of the devil. Of course, once Adam and Eve sinned, it's like they changed their destiny. Instead of going to heaven, their destiny for them and for all humanity after them was to be in hell. You know, while on earth, everybody, believers and unbelievers, can enjoy the blessings of God. It says that God blesses everyone. But once people are in hell, there is no more love of God. There are no blessings that they will feel anymore. The Bible describes hell as a place of deep darkness. And you know why? Not because there's no sun, but there's no Christ. For he is the light, but he won't be there. And there will be weeping gnashing of teeth in bitterness of soul and an eternal fire that tortures people, body and soul. They will never have any rest for eternity. And because of our sins against God, Jesus has every right to judge us and to say, that's where you belong. What can save us? from such a terrifying place. But secondly, it's only Jesus. He himself prepares a way for us. Jesus died suffering that punishment of hell as he hung on the cross. I don't know how in three hours or maybe all six hours you can suffer eternity, but he did. But that's not the only thing that saves us, his suffering and death. Also, his life saves us. You see, when you think of your works, my works, how imperfect we are, you go to yourself, wow, let's see. How can I ever thank God enough? How can I ever do enough to say thanks to him? But just think of this um, as an example. When we pray, do we always pray for the right thing? Do we always pray with the right motive? Do we even remember to pray at times when we should be praying? The answer to that is no. Okay? But God sees us as if we have all the perfect prayers of Christ credited to us. Can you imagine that? And when we trust in, in Jesus, we know we have God's full forgiveness because Jesus paid for it all on the cross. And now God credits to us everything good that Jesus has ever done. It gets credited to us. Isn't that unbelievable? But believe it, because that's exactly what the word says. God made him who had no sin 
to be sin for us so that in him we become the righteousness of God that is the very holiness of God. That's how God sees him. I think of that hymn, Behold a Host. Uh, Behold a host arrayed in white like thousand snow-clad mountains bright. Or another hymn, Jesus, your blood and righteousness, my beauty are my glorious dress. Midst flaming worlds in these arrayed, with joy shall I lift up my head. Bold shall I stand in that great day. Who can a word against me say? Fully through you absolved I am from sin and fears, from guilt and shame. Jesus, forgiveness, and his holy life are for all people. But we will not benefit from it if we don't receive it. And so Jesus said in verse 25, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Jesus in this verse is not describing the physical resurrection at the end of the world. He is describing what is going on an ongoing basis. He says, now hearing the voice of God. He's talking about how the Lord, the Holy Spirit, brings us to faith giving us a new spiritual life. Paul described this change in Ephesians chapter 2. You were dead in your transgressions and sins, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Yes, it was God's word that called us to faith on the day we were baptized. And that's when he gave us that wonderful new gift of life, he continues to nurture us in the faith through word and through the Lord's Supper. And by Christ's certain word, we know that he will bring us safely home to heaven. We who believe are saved by, from that final judgment by Christ himself. It is the work of God from the beginning of when Jesus won that salvation to the end when we walk in those gates of glory. And once we have faith, it shows in our lives. So we are going to pray, even if it is imperfect, we're going to pray. We're going to gather around and hear the word of God. We're going to love God and we're going to reflect that love to other people. And we're going to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. Now, no, we're not doing these things to win salvation. We're doing this because Jesus has won our salvation and we want to thank him. You see, saving faith is a matter of the heart. And if, you know, someone, you, you can't see it. Someone in the world can't see that if you have faith or not simply by looking at you. But works of faith can be seen. And that is what Jesus is describing on this last day when he talks about those who have done what is good. In him. It's simply works of true faith. Well, what will life be like for believers in heaven? Luther described it in his um, second article, Explanation, that I should be his own, live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessing. Jesus, in John chapter 10, talks about living life to the full. 
What do you think that'll be like in heaven? Living life to the full. I believe, uh, the last I read anyway, science has said that we use just a small percentage of our brain, the rest of it just sort of sitting around doing nothing. That's not going to happen in heaven. We're going to know even as God knows us. Use all of our brain power in heaven. Can you imagine? How many of us have so many talents that never get used? Whether you just don't have time, you don't have the energy, whatever it is. In heaven, you will fully use all your talents. You will be so fully satisfied. There is nothing more that you could ever want when you are in heaven. And Paul wrote that we get to see our loving God face to face. The book of Revelation pictures all the believers joined together and the angels there as well before the throne of God. And there we are voicing songs of victory. And all of it comes realizing that there'll never be any loss and never be any sadness, only joy in life. And unworthy as we are to receive all of these blessings, Jesus lived that perfect life and then died to win it all for us. Through trusting in him, our home is guaranteed. So have no doubt, judgment day is coming. And the last thing we want to be is unprepared. But in Christ, we have nothing to fear. We praise God that he has already faithfully brought so many Christians who have lived before us now to heaven. And we look forward to the day when we too will be there, when he changes us to be with him forever. We can say with the hymnist, when from the dust of death I rise to claim my mansion in the skies, even then this shall be my plea. Jesus has lived and died for me. Amen.